0: The back one. Talk it, talk it, talk in their movies, talk it, talk it, talk in their movies, talk it, talk it, talk their movies, talk
1: it, talk it, talk in their movies, the so time me shut up, I do what I want, I talk what I want. Oh yeah, so tell me shut up, I do what I want, I talk what I want.
0: I do it a one. I one. do it a one. I one. do it a one. I one. do it I one. All right, so recording has started. But more Uh-oh. importantly, oh, by the way, Skype wants me to legally say this so they can hear it. We are recording this conversation. Thank you very much. Um, what do you feel, Brett International?
1: Uh, well, I—I <laughs> I, I mean, I—I—I'm I, humbled. Um, I, yeah, I—I I can't understand for the life of me why. I mean, I'm cool with why people want to listen to you, but I have no earth idea. Why anyone? Sorry, people. I was trying to get my technology straightened out. I have no idea why anybody in I don't know, like Dallas, would want to listen to me. Much less someone in Finland or or Canada. <laughs> Again, Canada. I, I got to throw this in. If you're listening, I'd like to. I'd like. <laughs> what, you to what you got? What you got? Would
0: you open up? Would you open up? Hold up the beer. Would you open up?
1: It's a Coca Cola.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm doing unveiled brewing double IPA from uh, Louisiana. It's kind of got a cool logo.
1: Quick shout out to an Austin company. You've got the Yeti Coolster keeping the Coke cool, and Jason is being brought to me live via Skype off of my iPad, which is sitting on a Yeti bucket. So here we go. Anyway, back to Canada. Yeah. Just a quick disclaimer. Uh, Love you guys. Canada, I think, is a dope country. If I was going to live anywhere else in the world, I'd live in Canada. I probably should have wrapped up that story by saying that canadian guys i think at least i know they kicked my butt i don't know how you fared in that fight but after drinking all day, i'm no fighter anyway but after drinking all day i'm certain that a very small canadian man bested me so again prop you know props to canada no hard feelings um canada you guys are awesome you're not you're nobody's top hat let me just say that so, salutations Dude, canada you guys uh, are amazing
0: uh, And listen, Canada, you came in strong. Also Finland. Listen, I might move to Finland. I don't know. I don't I don't like the way you eat. I think you all have bad breath with the with the rotted fish and everything else. But at the same time, I love you guys.
1: You're So Finland is primarily a seafood diet? It's just it's like rotted
0: fish because everything's frozen.
1: That's gonna rule me out because I don't (laughs) need to see the seafood. (laughs) So but Finland, beautiful pizza. Pizzas pictures are
0: amazing. Great vodka. Great booze, and then we're out, and then we're out. So, no, I mean it's just it's it's weird. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna do Tommy Boy, folks, so that you're listening, and I'll I'll kick it off, and I'll, I'll let you know when we start and all that. But I always like bringing people back, and I'm thankful for you to make the time to come back because when I send you the countries that are downloading, and I'm like, oh, by the way, the Czech Republic, oh, Russia, oh, and then this morning I texted like Finland it's a weird thing that there's someone in Finland going, no, no, this
1: is the thing I'm going to listen to. It's I'll tell you, man, it's, uh, I know we've been joking about it on the text thread. Um, but it's kind of humbling to me, man, like that, that anyone would want to spend, that was a monster three hour podcast that anybody (laughs) wouldn't want to spend their time listening to that, that aren't directly related to us or shamed into it by us because their family, um, it's cool man it's humbling it's cool it's it is what i feel is the best part because there's there's good and bad to the internet and to um everything that comes along in the internet age but that i think is super cool man like somewhere some bro could be an expat could just be a finished dude is you know done from his work day and with everything he can choose to do, man, he decided to listen to you and I yap. And that's pretty freaking cool, dude, honestly. Like, that's, that's cool. And I think, it's, I think it's the best part of, of the internet is, like, I know for me, like, my daughter's um, 10. And she'll be like, well, where is this place? Or what's that? The other day, we were, what was it? It was some animal. She's like, well, like, oh, it was a badger. You know, the whole honey badger doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like and so I you and I both being where we grew up, have had some interaction with those little critters. And they are legit. For those of you who don't know Google Badger, um, they'll back down grizzly bears that are like, I don't know, 15 times their size. Uh, They're pretty crazy animals. Um, But anyway, she was like, really, are they that hardcore? And so I'd boop in two seconds. I'm on YouTube and I'm showing her videos of honey badgers like getting after it against a grizzly bear and her mind's blown. Like for us, that had been like looking at an encyclopedia and looking at a stagnant picture, you know what I mean? And then in this age or in this, you know, with everything that's going on with the global pandemic, my daughter's sole connectivity to all of her friends is through um, like, you know, FaceTime technology and Zoom. And they're like having virtual sleepovers. So they all get on like FaceTime 10 deep at their respective houses and giggle and do whatever they would do if they were all together at our house for a sleepover but just virtually and it's funny to sit outside their room and listen to them like giggle and laugh and anyways i went off on a tangent but this is what makes the internet cool thank you so much for everyone who's listening to and supporting what jason's doing because i think it's awesome and i'm glad to just i'm glad to be back making the time i'm happy to do and it's this is fun man the last one was fun so don't dude. the last
0: one no yeah the last one got 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 a lot of love um you know, it's, I got my buddy up in. I got, uh, and I'll, I'll tag him in. I say, you know, my, my buddy uh, Shaw, who's a rapper up in, uh, he's in Atlanta. But, you know, his home base is Toronto. That's our big Canadian download. Because Shaw reposted this with his, you know, 400,000 followers. He's like, oh, you should listen to this. And I'm humbled, just, I'm humbled by any friend that wants to come on. I'm humbled by any friend that wants to share but then I'm really, to your point, right, I'm humbled by the idea that in all of this, it's the goal of this was, the whole premise of this was, if you're not talking to your friends this way, get new friends. If you can't have a three hour conversation that goes serious, funny, almost makes you wanna cry, whatever it may be, whatever, whatever the emotional spectrum is, if you're not doing that, Man, you might need some new friends, bro. You might need some new friends. And that was the dumb idea. And then the dumb idea is is, is matriculated into this crazy thing where I mean the Philippines, Oman, you know, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, England. And then we add new countries. And I'm like, oh, the Czech Republic's decided to join in. Russia's hanging out. And there's a, there's a cynical part of me that goes, hey, guys, FYI, uh, get new friends. <laughs> but there's other part that goes, hey, thanks for listening, because this is just us having fun. Like, there's, there's no advertising dollars behind this. There's no marketing department. There's me and some computer programs and, uh, and, and, and very nice people that donate their time. And then very nice people that wrote a theme song. And then me capturing my daughter on the, you know, on, on my iPhone saying, yeah, I pooped a big one.
1: I <laughs> uh, like but, father, like daughter.
0: Exactly. You know, we, we know all about this. So we're doing, you know, I reached out to you and I was like, hey, man, let's do Tommy Boy. And I want to do Tommy Boy because... There's not many people on planet Earth that, A, have had the unique jobs, like you, me and John Keeling, have had the most unique jobs. And unique jobs in who we work with, who we interact with, the crazy sons of bitches. Everything on planet Earth and what we do has been, you know, this this navigation. And some of the navigation's been great, some of them has been good, Some of it's been bad, some of it's been average and just like ordinary handshakes. But who we get to run into, what we get to do, and the Tommy boy moments of our lives that we went through that made us better today than, you know, that made us who we are today, that have have, have given us great success and insight. I wanted to share that because of Where we are on planet Earth today. I think there's great insight in Tommy Boy. Great insight into right now Tommy Boy is planet Earth. Right? We're scared. We don't know what to do. We don't have all the information. We don't have anything. We don't have any insights. We don't know what's going on. Is Is it COVID? Is it this? Is it that? One doctor says this, he gets picked on by a million people. Another doctor says this, he gets picked on, you know, and, and we are at the beginning of the movie, we're running after the school bus. We're trying to figure out the best way to protect our family. We're trying to figure out the best way to do it. We're trying everything we can. And there's no, every right answer is wrong, every wrong answer is right. And we just don't win. And and, that's, that's the, the, and I, and I want to give people hope. I want to give people funny stories and insights that go, yeah, but in all of this, in all of this, if a big Chris Farley is running at you, don't dismiss him. Don't call him a quack because he has dumb questions. Don't call him a conspiracy theorist because he doesn't, doesn't understand. Don't vilify him on your next door your YouTube or your Instagram because he's not wearing gloves. Maybe instead look at who he is. That's my, you know, I think there's a I think there's an overlying message of hope in all of this. A. And B, there's a shit ton of fun. Because of all the things we've done, I and mean, we touched on some of your work, right? I mean, outside of me having to make you do your job at Vanguard University,
1: you know. Come on. You know what? I'd like to do a hard pause there. Uh, first of all, first of all uh, I, always, I always did my job uh, to the best of my capability. I'm not good at a lot of things, but working is one of them. And second of all, you didn't make me do anything cuz you could care less about that <laughs> fire alarm that didn't work. It was your mother who made me do my job that particular day. But let you know, what we really need to focus on is not the 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 trivial aspect of that interaction. It it led me to you, sir. So it was, it was fate. It was a the cosmos via a smoke detector and an erotic mother and an insurance company brought us all together.
0: It did. And you know, and um, it brought us all together and What I don't think a lot of people know, right, is in the jobs where we didn't work together, we still kind of work together. In the one job where we worked together. you got to see what kind of actually crazy person I was. And, you know, I I think it's I, I tell entrepreneurs this all the time, you know. I sit down and I, and I and I talk with people and I'm just and I and I and they're like we're going to hire a CMO or we're going to do this I'm like that's a great idea, I love that idea. They're like really? I'm like yeah, go out, go get it, son. I'm like okay, great, but then they go get it, and let's see if I can share the screen here. Can you see the Tommy Boy movie?
1: Oh. Um, I see your computer. Just me. I got bigger in one box, and then mm-hmm. smaller in a box, and then you got real small in a circle.
0: Uh, well, it, just, it doesn't work all the time. The sharing of the screen. I think it might be because of you know licensing and everything that. But anyways, you know it's, it's funny. I, I tell people this all the time, and, I, and actually use our example of, remember when we worked at that elevator company together?
1: Yes, McKinley equipment, right? Yeah, uh, you, was I was it there McKinley? for. Where was it? What elevator company? Remind it was McKinley me. Equipment. It, yeah, I got you a job at McKinley. Like, that's
0: right. That's right. And then some guy cussed me out, and I wasn't having it. And um, and and you realized
1: what a crazy person I was. You always knew I was. That crazy. you might not be cut out for the traditional work environment. <laughs> Is that a fair was that a fair way of putting it? Well, Wait, a great I'll tell way you what was funny about that whole thing was it wasn't uncommon uh, for me to be shouted at in my roles there and it's it's no shot at the organization because they're great um, great great people. Super but great people. Um, some of their clients were much less Great and polite. So I think the funniest part for me was like, you were, you were like pretty taken aback that this dude lost his shit with you. And I'm looking at you and I'm trying to be sympathetic, right? Cause you're the homie and I've worked there longer. So I'm trying to, you know, lead, lead by example. Uh, but in my head, I'm like, dude, stop being a bitch. Like I get screamed at 53 times before 9am every Monday. And you're, I mean, you were like significantly appalled, that some guy lost his shit with you over some part in the parts department or something. And I was like, Oh man, yeah, that's unfortunate, dude. You're going to get yelled at like 500 times. So <laughs> take this no, one on like, the chin no, there, Bucky. And get to back that to the desk. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you, you got all fundamental and righteous. Like I will not be talked to that way. And then I don't know. How long did you work there? I mean, we could count it. I could we count was it like days? Four...
0: No, was it was it like months?
1: Three, months.
0: Yeah, it was three months. It was three months. Okay. Um, because I remember I made, I, made a, I made a good impression to where the owners of McKinley Equipment actually called me in. Like, hey Jason, listen, I'm really sorry. We want you, we really want you to come back to work. This person is not gonna apologize. And I was like, all right, I'll see you guys later. And Brett's just, you're just sitting there going, well this is called the real world. It's construction and people are rude. And this is what happened. And, and like, what's funny is yeah, it was like, you know it was
1: like construction light, like, and the degrees of getting <laughs> screamed at. It's like, so like, I spent my entire, for those listening who didn't hear the last one, or maybe I didn't even say I've spent my entire life in construction. I've been in the construction business. I'm 40. I'm going to turn 47. I started with my grandfather when I was like eight. So, I mean, I've legitimately been drawing paychecks from construction since I was probably 15. And, that might have been the sweetest environment I've worked in in construction. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. And Jay's Jay's a pretty tough dude, and he's a pretty he's definitely definitely got thick skin. But it was just funny how like put off he was that whole thing and his you know khakis and his little shirt and you know. So yeah, it didn't work out, but it was cool for a few months.
0: It was cool, but it's it's also it's like I was talking to a buddy of mine about this because I just, especially as we get older, right? We are who we are. And you know what? You find your lane. You don't find your lane. You find the people you're going to work with you can't work with. You know, and I was talking to a buddy of mine and uh, I was just saying, yeah, man, uh, my business partner, this other thing, I yelled at him the other night because I asked for something on Friday. Now I asked for it on Friday at like, you know, nine o'clock. And he's got kids. He lives in Houston. It's all good. But I didn't get it. It was Monday. I call him on Monday. I'm like, hey, motherfucker. Like, come on, man. Okay, come on, man. I want, let's get some shit done. It's, this is, let's go. It's like, dude, well, I had this. And I'm, I'm like, hey, we're all in this fucking boat. Well, this girl's sick and this. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't care. And, it's, and you know me. It's not that I don't care. I do care about people, but I don't care. Get your shit done. And it's so, and I think that, and I look back on the McKinley thing because I was so put off by someone talking to me in such a way. And yet now I'm this person who talks to everybody that way. Everybody. And not that once again, I'm I'm not talking to them to be disrespectful. I'm just like, if you're not going to run at my speed, then get out of my way and hand me everything I can do. And if you're building something on the technology side that I don't know how to build, super. Go build it. The fuck do I care? But until you can build it, I'm going to manually do it because I don't have time for your bullshit. And it's it's such a contradiction. Like If you took me today, and then you took me back then, and you said, do you understand this person telling you you know what, I don't care, just get it done. And if you have to rewrite this, just rewrite it. But I'm not here for you. I'm here for the client. And I was just like, this is appalling. Who would talk to me this way? And now I look at me and the way I talk to things or people, I'm just like, oh, man. I I mean, I would have made me cry back in the day. Cry. And I actually, there's points of time where I've found great pride in making young people cry because they're just not tough enough. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. It's, um, I would say I've done the, the, I've done the journey that you've done in reverse. I was more punchy. And because I came from an environment that was, 95 percent male, at a, I mean, 98 percent male, um, out in the field in construction, where no punches were pulled, no, you know, I mean, you, it was a it was a pretty hardcore lumberjack alpha male environment, right? <clears throat> so I came to that to McKinley Equipment. Poor McKinley, uh, getting again. I'm gonna set the record straight. I freaking love them. In fact, I just talked to someone that I worked with. They're a great there. company. Yeah, I just talked with someone I worked with there. I loved my time there. Um it actually made me a lot of who I am today as a business person. I'm gonna to speak to that. But I just talked with one of the guys that I worked with there for she's probably an hour and a half the other day, like literally like Wednesday of last week. It was great to catch up with them. But so I came into that organization super punchy, super Zero excuses, no office etiquette, right? Professional work ethic out the yin yang, but I'd never worked in an office environment, man. I worked in the field. I was a field guy. I got a phone call. I put on a tool belt. I made stuff happen. It was. It's a rough, quick paced environment. And now I'm in an office where, you know, it's 50 50 men and women. Um, I've got a female boss, I've got female coworkers. And they were incredibly patient with my lack of business etiquette, and honestly, helped transform me into a better office professional because I was I had zero that when I walked in the door. Where you were more probably office polished walking in, um, I was a car fire. And um, <laughs> they were super patient and super good. Can we talk about Can and- we
0: talk about that car you had?
1: We did last time. We don't want to wear the people out. The Oldsmobile Oldsmobile Achieva, Google that, white two-door crushed purple velvet. In fact, the interior looks a lot like the walls of your house. It was very deep, (laughs) like dead red, and then just velvety. But at any rate, I had several cars. I worked there for quite some time. Um, So I had quite – I think I went through three or four cars while I worked there. But um, side note – they helped make me a lot more professional and I think set me up to be a lot more successful in, because that was kind of the end of my, I was about twenty eighty field office. And that was really like the last time that was my transition away from the field, to be honest, because, um, I ended up there after platinum, which was straight field work. And so, after that, it was that was the start of my office career, man. Like project management, and and then sales, um, and um, and that was kind of that was kind of my turning point. And they were instrumental in that, I think, and set me up a ton to be successful. Um, but it's interesting, you know, man. I I struggled with um, at the company I work for now. Um, I was a, a you know pretty pretty productive sales guy for them. And um, had an idea that there was a pace that everyone should run at. And selfishly, I believed that pace was my level or higher. And if you didn't run at that pace and that speed and didn't process information as fast and turn calls as fast or whatever, then I was – I'm not going to say irritated, but I just kind of, I don't want to say I look down on it. That's not a fair assumption, but I just kind of like, it just kind of was like, eh, you know, it just kind of sat weird with me. And, um, I had a tremendous mentor for 11 years at the company I currently work at. He passed away earlier this year. Um, but he was awesome. He was at the time that he left the company, a 32 or 33 year veteran of our company. And, um, He pulled me aside and he said, uh, the obstacle standing between you and management is that you think every single sales rep who works here should be just like you, and they shouldn't be, and they can't be because we won't be successful. Once you realize that it takes a group with special different talents that move at different paces, you'll be ready to take the next step in your career, but until you can get past this, you won't be ready, and he was right. And I started to look at things differently and I started to see my teammates who eventually became the gentlemen that I was, you know, put in a position over, um, as a, as a boss, um, I started to look at what they had and what they brought to the table and how they were able to do things with clients I could never do. And when that happened, I got much better at being a professional and much better at evaluating talent and building teams with, um, different, different talent structure and different capabilities and different abilities. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. Like you can't be bad at the job or lazy. That's zero tolerance policy for that. But, um, there are always going to be guys, you know, on a team of 20 salespeople, there's going to be you know, call it your ham and Agar guy or whatever. There's going to be superstars. There's going to be kind of everyone in between and it's necessary. You can't go grab 15 alphas and put them. It doesn't work. We've tried it. It doesn't work at all. So I've kind of matured to a point um, in my career where um, I'm a lot more patient, which is super weird for me because I'm kind of a hotheaded dude by nature, can be, Um, but much more patient with people, much more understanding and looking for opportunities to coach especially younger people and kind of give them a little glimpse of the real world and how it operates so i look at everyone as a project and not an annoyance
0: how do you question you know this is not a leadership conference
1: uh, but god i hope not, do you i'm the wrong guy no i know right leading that yeah. Do me both, that.
0: but you know, I get I get people who call me up and they're like, "Hey, I want you to come and talk to my sales department," and I'm just like, "I'm not your guy." I, I'm sorry. How much does it pay? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Right then they're like, "What's the check?" I'm like, "I mean, I'll come in and talk, but you know, just give me some space." It's weird. Um, I was I was I was there's a job for a senior vice president role at a uh, PR firm, and the staff like the senior management the investors, everyone loved me. They're like, this is our guy. And the staff was like, I, I, I'm, I'm intimidated to work for him. He gets up at 4 a.m. He works, he wants stuff done, but I work differently. And I was like, I don't care how you work as long as I get results. Like, I don't care if you wake up at noon and you go to bed at midnight. I don't care, but I want results. I just, just wanna know that the, the bottom line is hit. That's all I care about. Nothing else. Nothing else. And I think this is the part, and I'll wrap it up in a Tommy boy, right? We're at the point where his dad hasn't died yet, but you know, David Spade is the person who goes, if you don't do everything exactly like me, you're done. You're, not, you're worthless, you don't do anything. And we've both learned that, and I'm curious with the young people uh, that you work with, based on the advice you were given, I'm very curious, how do you let a person be the person they want to be, or the person that they are, their personality shines, right? Because they've had some success, they've boiled up to you, they have some success, but at the same time you don't inf- you don't uh, have a bias in the fact of, of, of how they do their work moving forward when they reach you.
1: Well, um,
0: aren't you things. glad you had a Coca-Cola and not a whiskey?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd just be spouting off all kinds of crazies now. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, I I'm of a mantra whether I'm referring to the guy who is going to build my house or the guy who is going to detail my car or the guy who cuts my lawn or people I'm hiring to work for our organization um I'm the kind of guy hire good people and get out of the way um so in in with hiring with in the phrase hiring good people it's not just people that are necessarily talented one of the things i love about my organization is our organization i don't own the place um is that we aren't one of those companies that's like okay you need 15 years of doing exactly what we do and you need to have this degree and you need to be we we literally like oh you know you used to be a strength and conditioning coach sweet now you're you're selling construction equipment like we we don't we don't um have any um you know, bias towards that. So we hire people. Um, we hire folks. I hire folks that I look for empathetic individuals that are people that can function well in a team and coachable. Those are the things I look for. And um, I think if you hire that correctly, uh, the rest of the stuff works it out. You know, one of the things is we're now in that age group, you and I, where there's a younger generation behind me and I'm not gonna use the M word all that because I hate all that stuff. They're incredibly bright. They're very talented. And yeah, some of them have some sense of entitlement that we didn't have and our fathers definitely didn't have. It doesn't make them bad. It just makes them growing up in a different time. And so you you take that and put it aside and you coach through it. And I believe I'm only doing my job well if there's three or four guys below me that can take it um that's the way i view it i'm trying to coach people um to be the best they possibly can be in our structure and if they blow past me which they have i've been privileged to mentor nine different people at our organization four of those nine are in positions above me now two of them are at my level um so i was have been able to coach people up to and past where I am. And I'm cool with that. So my job is to be grooming my replacement all the time. That's how I, I view it. Um, and I know that's probably counter to a lot of people's psychology, but you know, I guess I'm fortunate to work for a place where I'm secure in my employment, so I don't have to worry about it. But with those younger people that want more faster maybe, cause that's really the thing, right? That's the thing they get labeled with. Oh, they want to be the boss in two years. Well, if they're freaking good enough to be coach them up to be good enough to be the boss in two years and then make them the boss. I mean, that's my, that's my take on it. Um, we've got a four or five younger guys that are in that 26 to 31 range that are freaking hammers. They're awesome. And one of them just got promoted to my counterpart. It took me 11 years to get where I am in my company. My man got there in 18 months. (laughs) Okay. I, I mean, talent's talent, man. You know what I mean? Age is irrelevant. So, I don't know if that answered the question well, but that's that's my take on it. And again, pretty unique environment that I work in, but that's that's how I look at it. You know, a lot of people get turned off in an interview with a younger person and and you ask the question, you know, well, where do you see yourself in 5 years? Well, you know, I'd I'd like to be at your level or the level above you. Some people get frustrated because it took them 11 years or 15 years or 20 years or 10 years of hard work to get there. I don't look at it that way. I mean, to me, I don't ever want to turn to my quarterback in the NFL and say, are you the best quarterback in the NFL? And he'd be like, no way, man. I'm like middle of the pack. That's a confidence problem. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) I don't need him to be like, I'm the greatest thing that ever walked, but I need him to be confident in the fact and believe in his abilities. And I think a lot of times we, uh, we take, we take shots at the generation behind us because they're, Confident, and um, show me a super successful, unconfident salesperson. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, so, I would
0: also. That, I mean, you're you're in that position you're in, and you've moved people, you've you've guided people because you're confident in who you are. I don't think the generation below us has success they have. If we don't live through what we live through and we're just confident in who we are as 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 people in business, as fathers, as as husbands, as single guys, whatever it may be, like there's just I don't think that exists anywhere else in history. Because you go a generation behind our generation, a generation by Gen X. You want to walk up and be like, oh, I'm going to take your job in five years. It took me 12 years to get here. No, no, I got ideas. I'm going to take your job. You're not getting that promotion. You're not doing that. That is a mindset, not of complacency. That is a mindset of, of teaching, of understanding. The reason the generation that is, has that is, that is, that is preceded us is doing so well, and I think the frustrating part for, for, for some people who just want the accolades is the fact that people like you step in and go, I know what I can do, and I'm humble in what I can do, and I'll share my knowledge. Think about think about it this way: in 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 NFL standards, right? Um they, they talked about I, I want to say it was I forget the quarterback's name, but the, you know, I think it was Ben Roethlisberger. And don't name it if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, Ben. You're a great quarterback, minus your your rape charges before social media. Oh, Good for you. <laughs> Like that, a compliment and a dig all at the same time. But hello. he was like, "Hey, I'm not here to have to train someone to take my job." Competition, I'm not here for that. And I think professionally in our generation, we're like, man, we have so much knowledge of what we're doing. We have so much insight into what we're doing. You're that hungry? Good, I feel good about making you better. And some of that I fundamentally believe, I really, really do believe this, we had that broken generation. We had that baby boomer generation that was a little bit broken. They either came from war and we could never impress them or they worked harder than us, we could never impress them, whatever it was. Not only did they not share all their information, they, like took, they took recipes, they took insights, they took sales, they took things to their grave because they just wanted to hold on to them. And we, we saw that And we were heartbroken because we worked so much harder. You worked harder to get to where you were, no offense to anyone else, than maybe the person in the baby boomer generation did because their father, their grandfather, their sales manager shared insights because they just wanted it better. And that boomer mentality sunk us a little bit. And then we took that and we went, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that negative energy. I'm not. I'm not going to hold on to it. In fact, you want to be better than me? I think you should. And I hope I can learn from you. And that was so powerful. And what you're doing is so powerful and it shows in the track record of who's around you. And that's something that didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. Because the mentality didn't exist that way 30, 40 years ago. Because it was about, it was a legacy thing. And you and and others like you have removed the legacy and you've embraced the environment of, you can be 20 and teach me something. Now I can poke holes in it, I can have some fun with it, but you can still teach me something. You can still make the company and me better at 20, 25. You're from the fitness, fitness industry. You've never sold a backhoe in your life. What do you want to do? Why? What does it mean? Oh, you have an insight on personality I've never seen before. You have a direction and you have a thought process of solving problems that no one's ever seen before in our company get over here let's do it but also correct me if i'm wrong but does that not show the growth of your company and the ideals of of, of a very smart company that wants to be challenged that wants to change that wants to embrace and that wants to move
1: yeah i think you know, I'm, I'm who I am no matter what, but if I worked for a competitor that didn't have the organizational culture that the company I work for has, would I be uh, of the – internally, I would be of the same mindset because in general, I'd like to coach, so I like helping people get better, but that is not rewarded often in other cultures. So yeah, I think organizational culture plays a huge part of it. Um, and, um, if you're in an organization that rewards winning over everything or, um, you know, I I think that, I think that you can fall into, um, a a negative situation trying to use the I'm happy to help you pass me on the food chain because it's not that's not uh, condoned or appreciated as well at certain places, right? Um, so yeah, I think that, that organizational culture plays a huge part of it. I would argue, um, having been on both sides of this equation, organizations that have truly amazing people-focused culture will win and they'll win more often and they'll deliver a better product. And I believe that hundred percent we're nowhere near the largest company in the world at what we do. Um, but we routinely battle the largest companies in the world and smoke show them. So, and it, and it comes down to, um, the culture that's been created and how we treat and appreciate our people. Um, we believe you do that first, they'll take care of the customer and everything else. So that, and so, yeah, I, I think the culture has a lot to do with it. Some companies, you know, I, I don't know. I, I won't, I won't name companies cause I don't know their culture, but you think of some of like these big monster tech companies, you know, that are progressive and everything. Do they have that kind of culture? I don't know. You know, maybe there it's a shank fest to see who can rise to the top, the fastest. Um, I don't work well in those organizations because um, it's not who I am. So If I had to say anything, find a find a company that has a cultural mission that most clearly mimics your personal mission and personal cultural beliefs. And I think you'll be a lot more successful because you're not having to act. You're who you can be who you are. And they love that because that's what they're about. Right. So that's where I got lucky. Um, because but don't.
0: But do you also think?
1: I mean, real, real, real talk here. You're in an environment where
0: you're rewarded, and you are thought of as a better
1: person
0: because you've made people better than you.
1: One hundred percent. I literally work for a guy. I trained. Like when he was a brand new sales rep, I was assigned to be his mentor and teach him the ropes and get him up to speed and our mentorship program typically lasts a year, but most people it's kind of, kind of a bond that never goes away. Um, I coached him up, helped him out. He was already very good sales rep when he came in, but I helped him figure out our culture and everything that we're doing. And he worked alongside me as a sales representative in Vegas for a couple of years and then moved down to the Dallas market and did the job I currently hold and then was promoted again um, to being over, um, North Texas and all of the state of Oklahoma, and then was the guy who relocated me from Vegas to Dallas to work for him. So, um, I think personally, that's freaking cool. Uh, I'm sure there's organizations yeah. where, where that, that people would look down on someone like me, like, how'd you let him you know, get, get past you, or you've been here longer than him. In my mind, dude, not only is the guy a personal friend, so win there, but, um, I think that's awesome. Like I got to show him how to do things and how to grow in our organization in the beginning. And now full circle, he's teaching me how to be better at this job, which I'm new to, um, every day. And so it's, it's killer, man. Like, and he's exactly where he should be. And I'm exactly where I should be. And no jealousy, no animosity. I, I could work. I could work in the same condition I'm in right now for the next 15 years. I don't care. Like I don't, uh, I'm not a dude that's looking to climb the ladder because I know those guys at the top. And after a couple whiskeys, they'll tell you, oh, adios mio, <laughs> stay down there where you're at. It's, it's not as glamorous up here as it looks. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and one of them jokes But, but also
0: it is... He's, he's... But hold on, but one of, the, one of the things is, is that position aside, one of the things that, that puts you at the top is how you move people. Like how people embrace, you know, I mean, you're being very humble, but at the same time, you're orchestrating a piece of culture in that company that, you know, may or may not have existed before you. And if it did, congratulations to the company, but also more importantly, it orchestrates this idea of, wait, it's not about me beating Brett. It's not about me surpassing you. It's about me learning and about me sharing. And then wherever I land, I get to learn and share. And humility in the action of learning and sharing, the idea that that the the mental gymnastics that goes with what you just described, And having a healthy response to it that removes ego, because ego kills talent. Right? So if ego kills talent, you've removed ego and you've emboldened talent. And then you've emboldened wisdom. You're like, hey, you've got all this great talent. Let me give you a touch of wisdom. You know, it's like it's like I would say this: you can have the the most you can have the smartest person in the room, the smart let's go whole foods like listen i make the best salads and this kid comes in he's like i make better salads and you're like you're right you too but you don't have the wisdom behind the salads will you please listen to me so you can be my boss and maybe not those direct words but whatever it may be and you're like he's like no 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 listen i got wisdom i'm like all right tell me tell me what's going on and like listen i don't know if you know but i just did a fruit salad I did uh, blueberries, strawberries, banana. I did this really unique, uh, slightly chillied honey blend, a dollop of granola, and then the often forgotten fruit, I threw on top, tomatoes. You're the smartest guy in the room, hands down. But the salad maker that was here before you, he never put tomatoes in the fruit salad. And the smart person goes, tomatoes are fruit. And the wise person goes, they are. They don't belong in fruit salad.
1: Yes, I... I (laughs) I wholly agree with everything you just said. Um, there, but
0: that takes humility to to agree
1: with that. It, because it does. You and, are going to
0: you are going to give people knowledge that are going to be your boss one day, and you're you have the wisdom, not the humility. You have the wisdom to accept that and move forward.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, look at it this way, dude. If for nothing else. Think of it as self preservation because if you're not going to get the promotion, you might as well have the guy get the promotion that you helped through along in his career. <laughs> if nothing else, hopefully he'll remember that, you know, uh, I guess is one way to look at it. I just, I just, uh, first of all, the culture within the company that I work in existed long before I walked in the door. It existed from the moment the company was founded. In fact, the founder of our company left another company because of the way they treated people so poorly. And he literally resigned saying as much in his resignation letter, he was the vice president, went over, bought a company um, that was a small mom and pop and then grew it to what it is today. Um, Several years down the road, buying the company he left and saving those people from the management style they were underneath. But that culture um, started in 1977. So it was way before I arrived in 07 um, but, uh, so I got to benefit from, you know, three decades of, of amazing, you know, culture and leadership and, and, and all that, um, back to what you were saying though. Um, I, I look at my job as basically just one thing. My job every day is to do everything in my power to support the needs of the guys who work for me on and off the field so that they can be the best they can be. That's it. I'm just a conduit How did by you which transition they that? receive support.
0: How did you, hold on real quick. How did you transition from I'm gonna, I'll, I'll strap on the tool belt and I'm going to do it to I'm going to support you? Because that um, that's, that's, not, that's not a sales thing not a company culture thing that's a lifestyle thing that if you if you take a step back you can look at your marriage you can look at your friendships you can look at your relationship with your daughters your daughter your 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 dogs anything you want to you can you can take a step back and look and go wait this upward mobility this this push it didn't change. I mean, company culture, be damned. It's amazing, but fundamentally, right? I mean, it kind of changed you.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm only, I've only been successful here because if I did anything that was wise, I listened to the guys that were guiding my career. Right, the guys who are doing did for me, my managers, right. In the early years, um, what they did for me, uh, to help me along is now what I do for another group of people. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think if, if I want to take credit for anything, it's being smart enough to realize, holy cow, these people do it different. And it's, It's fantastic, both for me as the employee and for the client. I'm just going to shut up and let them lead the way. Um, And that's kind of what I did, man. Like I I just put pride and all that stuff aside and just, okay. One of the gentlemen at the time I walked in the door was over 20 years in. The other one was over 25 year, you know, or pushing 25 night, probably 17 and 25, 20 when I walked in the door, but, but two gentlemen that had either at or above two decades of, of, uh, experience within the organization to just shut up and listen, you know what I mean? And so I think respect for them and respect for what they had done and hearing about what they have done for the company. Um, it just led me to believe, okay, look, if I just do nothing but what these guys tell me I should do, we're going to be good. And that's kind of what I did. I mean, there's no secret sauce there for sure. So shut up and, and let them lead the way.
0: <laughs> do you also think, though, the secret sauce is and everything you learned, I mean, whether you like it or not, right, it translates into friendships. It translates into uh, relationships with your wife, with your daughter, with your dogs. I mean, it really does. And I'll give an example, right? I mean, you know, all this COVID-19 stuff is happening as we're doing this over Skype. And uh, my wife was like, hey, man, you're usually a little hunter of a collar and you are so mellow, it's uncomfortable. And I was like, you know, I, COVID-19 gave me a realization of what I can control and cannot control. Good, better, and indifferent, it just did. And yeah, I get a little frustrated, but you know, I just, man, someone doesn't respond to a text. Okay. I assume in my heart that something is happening where they can't, that I'm not the focal point anymore. I looked at her, I looked at my wife and I went, you get mad about something. And I assume one thing and only one thing. You have family. You have a very large family, very large. I'm not on all those calls, so I assume something happened. It could be right or wrong. And honestly, guess what? I don't care. Because my, my barometer, who I am as a person, has shifted a little bit. And it started shifting a long, long time ago And working with VCs and working with startups a lot that just went, oh wait, there's all these things we can't control. So why would I assume I could control my daughter? Why would I I assume I could control my dog? He's a basset hound. He knows two things: barking and smelling something, and ignoring me all the fucking time. But I also believe that in that I became a better friend because I knew. If I texted you or John or Heather and you didn't respond, I wasn't offended anymore. I wasn't mad. Because you get, we all have lives. We all have things going on. And I wonder in the world where you pull back and you go, oh, but I, I learned all this stuff. Learning doesn't stop at the job. Just like stress doesn't stop at the job, right? Wealth doesn't stop at the job. Lack of money doesn't stop at the job. Everything trickles down to the home. Everything, and then when it goes from the home, it trickles down to friends. And no one has been more guilty than me of introducing my stress, my life, all the craziness is going on to all of my friends. Why? Because I just, I, I, there was a time in my life where I believed it was, I'm going to throw this against the board and just see how, what responses are, so I know how to gauge my response versus being responsive and figuring it out myself. And you are in that class, and I mean that in our group of friends, that has been, you know for lack of a better term, a little bit of a matriarch, right? A little bit of a person who, who holds a, a little higher standard than the rest of us. And when some of us get crazy, we get a little side text. We get a little thing that goes, hey, man, you want to call me? Call me. This bullshit's going to stop. And I wonder, I, and, I, and, I, and I say this because I want people to take the positives from what's happening now, not the negatives. You can, uh, the point is, is that I focused a lot on the negatives as a, as a younger man, and up until, shit, 35, 38 years old. 40 years old. I did. You've created a balance in our friendship. And not just ours, but in our friendship group. As the as the as as the mentor, as the person that it has a balance that goes, hey, this is justice. And it goes left and right, and it never tilts. And if you try to tilt it, I'm gonna get pissed. And the important part is, is that we know when you're upset that we haven't upset you. At all. We've probably disappointed you, but we haven't upset you. But we have upset balance that allows everyone else to run chaos. And I'm, I'm probably more guilty than any other friend in this group in that. And I bring all that up because I want to ask you it's like in the big kid, small jacket world, one, what gives you the strength to do that? A, and B, where do you find solace and comfort in a world? Where that, where that happens.
1: Well, thanks for painting me as <laughs> like the, the Clint Eastwood, Grand Torino, get off my lawn, you know, godfather amongst the sea of children that are misbehaving, which is not the case. Uh, yeah, it's a bit uh, of the I think, case. I, sometimes. I think, first of all, man, um, <clears throat> I got the whole call it like I see it, um, don't let a friend or a relative or a a person drift down the tracks, get involved, um, encourage thing, just, dude, it came from my family, right? Like, I I think that was just instilled in me by my parents, my uncles, my grandparents, um, it's just kind of who they were, um, and so I think that's where I get that whole, um, oops, it looks like we're, it's getting weird, so I'm going to put the bumpers down so no one gutter balls their life, right? And, and uh, <laughs> um, I think that's where it comes from. Um, and then the strength, I, I would counter and say that the the strength to do that comes from the times when you guys put the bumpers down, so I don't gutter ball my life, right? Um, because this is a give and take, man. I mean, it's um, John, Heather, you, Chris, you know, those kind of folks, Shayner, um, Kevin, just talked to Kevin today, actually. But um, I don't think you guys understand. I seem to get more credit for the times I've helped you guys than. I maybe deserve and I and I think sometimes the credit you guys deserve doesn't get brought to light. So if that's on me, I apologize. But you guys have done the very same thing for me over the years that you're saying I've done for you. And I think where where it innately comes from is typically I'm only saying something if I know you're about to wound yourself or someone else in the group, right? Maybe I have knowledge of a situation you don't, and you've got a couple pops in you, and you're cracking one of the homies, and I know it's hitting a very sensitive spot, and it's not going to be received well, then I, I'll make that phone call on the side or that side text like, hey, dude, you know, give give that joke a siesta, and let's, you know, move through it. <laughs> I, 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 that's when a I of those. – I've gotten a couple of those. I've got a couple Yeah, of because, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you have. But you know what? So have other people. And um, I think one of the giant misconceptions about you is you can't be wounded. And I think that there's there's been times in our circle of friends I've had to go side text on someone else because I know I know what you won't necessarily show is you can get wounded. And you can only get wounded by those people you've let inside the little timely, you know, Jason circle of trust. So – yeah, man. I mean, the strength to do it, I think, just comes from. Uh-uh. I think, I'm, I'm by nature, uh, it's, it's you know, played out now with all the different military movies. But I'm by nature kind of that sheepdog. Like, I want all my people in this luscious pasture where we can all eat, and it's wolf free. And oop, someone's drifting towards the creek. Let's pull them back over here. You know, I mean, that's it's kind of innately who I am, um, and uh, I'm protective of my people and. That protection extends not only from those outside of my little pasture, but sometimes when my little sheeps are going full combat with each other, you know, I'd like to keep them all. I like my pasture copacetic. (laughs) So uh, maybe it's selfish, dude. Maybe we just decided. Maybe we just found that out on the podcast. Maybe I, maybe I orchestrate all these side texts because I want want my own perfect little, you know, uh, utopian metropolis here. But uh, yeah, I just try and keep each other from. Let's not do damage. I've done damage to relationships in the past with my mouth, and uh, it sucks. And uh, I don't want to see anybody else make the same mistakes. So, But I, I would say this,
0: and, and I think this is a, a, a celebration of our, of our friendships. Uh, and then we talk about John and Shane and Heather and Chris. And this is a positive note for everyone out there. We have figured out a way to do utmost damage to one another at points and times in our lives, and someone has always brought us back in. always brought us back in. and even it's even it's random people who you know, and I don't mean random like just offshoots, I mean like people that are in that group but they're not assertive or they're not as vocal, like a Mike Herms, right, who steps in. We have, there is, and, and I say this because for friendships, for people out there, sorry, big boy, sorry, I, just, I rolled my chair back and I just ran over my dog's tail a little bit. And he just jumped up like, hey, asshole, stop okay, moving. Side,
1: side text off the thread, dogs don't like it when you step on their tail, man, come on
0: no just and they respect. don't like it when you move well he sits right under the wheels he likes to get in the in, in between the two wheels and then I, I get uncomfortable and i move a little bit and he looks at me like you're an asshole and i'm like that eh, probably but still figure just he's late. just
1: trying to get as close to you as he possibly can man that's affection possibly right there can, buddy he loves me
0: but you get people on the outside that just drop a dollop in and then you get management and I don't mean it in a bad way but you get P- you get friends that come in and go hey man we're going to re- we're going to reorchestrate this because this is not how we operate and the idea and I bring all this up and it's not a downer moment it's an upper moment for everyone listening with their friends to go hey it's not that you have to have a leader or not a leader it's not it's that do you have friends? Do you have people in your group that are going to hold you accountable? And trust me, and you know this better than anyone else because you've been doing this longer than John and Chris and Heather. Um, let's be honest, man. You hold me accountable a hell of a lot better than a lot of other people do.
1: You're a tough tiger to tame, buddy.
0: Which? What shorts did I just see? Are you wearing, like, some neon shorts? Hold on. Um, Side note. I'll, oh.
1: I'll come back, brother, and let you see them as soon as I grab this, <laughs> this cold water. They're my Cosmic shorts, baby. Look at this. It's like a unit. It's like unit. I am.
0: I am see, dude, I've, can I get you see the stars? I got a 34-inch waist. Where, where do I buy so, those?
1: So do I. Um, dude, these are old, man. I've had them. These are, they're, they're Hurley. Shout-outs to Hurley. Um, and they're that cool... You know, Nike owns Hurley now, so they have all that Nike oh, yeah. stretch fit. I, these these things go from soaking and wet to dry in like two seconds. But, um, yeah, anyway, you know me, man. I keep the board short game strong. Dude, uh, our board short game is – Pad game and board, board short game. If that's Dude. a firm believer they got to stay strong.
0: I mean, I would say if our wives got together, they would get so mad. Or they would, they would they'd, they'd gang up and go – can we get these guys out of hats and out of board shorts? We would
1: have two other. We'd have vacation homes. Well, right now, probably not because I got COVID hair. Don't care. So I'm a guy who. This is gonna sound super bougie, but I'm a dude who needs to have my hair cut um, due to the way it grows and just the hairstyle that I keep. Uh, to, bro, to look. You
0: want to talk about oh, bro?
1: To look. To look. COVID wooly, hair. Don't care. I'm I'm like a I'm like a 17 day to 3 week like max 3 weeks right so I yeah. was I was due for a haircut the friday of the monday my company told me to stay home and we kind of started the shelter in place thing so yeah. I'm now official pushing a month plus 3 weeks of growth I'm at like 7 here weeks here dude here I here have that bangs that here would that, that would make that would make people jelly um i'm the for bush. those of you who are give a little bit bangs bush bangs bush i'm i am uh i am i'm basically to the point where i need like the St. John smith side out visor in order to keep my Ooh. hair intact it's yes. do you want a piece of this do you want to see this here comes. yes
0: i want to see it because i showed you mine,
1: dude yours is good
0: oh wait no it just got crazy
1: what the i fuck mean i'm the- i'm i'm down to hey. bridge of my nose situation here buddy Dude, it's it's gotten. Look at this.
0: Look at those sides.
1: Wings. Look at those little sides. I got wings,
0: dude. I'm like, I'm like Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder, and I'm just embracing it. I'm just like, what do you want to do?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, we're we're all. Sheltering in place and working from home uh, on on the sales side of our organization <laughs> and, uh, and talking with my boss, he goes, "All right, bro, lift the lid. I got to see what's going on." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's a car fire. <laughs> uh, I don't even know." And my wife, she's awesome. She's like, "Hey, um, there's um my my stylist actually is amazing." Uh, and again, I just said stylish, super bougie, whatever. Her name's Julie. She's rad. She cuts my hair. Um, she put a tutorial online nope. to help wives cut husband's nope, hair sir. and christy's nope. like i i i believe i can do it and i said mm, you also believe that you could give bob a haircut years ago bob was our dog and bob was so yeah, embarrassed he that. brought a t he brought a t-shirt out of my laundry bin and dropped it in front of me like can you please put this on me like i don't want to be seen so i told her as much as i love her that i was going to go hard pass on her cutting my hair um I thought about just shaving my head because by the time we go back to work, I'd probably be about where I needed to be. But then I just figured, you know what? Uh, no one cares. I'm not seeing any clients. I'm not. Yeah. So, and, and if I had to, I can throw some product, bougie alert again in it and slick it back enough that I don't look like a car fire, but uh, yeah, stuff's getting serious over here with the COVID hair don't care. is legit, but no, you know what? I'm blessed. My wife, um, loves me for who I am. And she is actually cool with my hat game. And she, she's cool with the dude that wears jeans, flip-flops, a t-shirt and a hat, which is good. Cause that's pretty much um, all I ever wear. Um, I don't own a suit. I kind of flat out refuse to, I have jackets and I have dress pants and I could probably yep. throw a couple of them together. I got a couple ties, you know, for emergencies. Um, sure. But, uh, I, uh, I, I, when I moved, I had crazy ties from the McKinley era because you had to wear a tie there. And then when I worked at the gross financial company, which will not be named after McKinley, um, you had to wear a tie every day. So I had all these ties. And my my brother-in-law, my my wife's family um, are they're Mormons. They live in Utah. You know, and they're big on the tie at church thing every Sunday. And I hooked him up. His tie game is, like, he's got like 40 <laughs> new ties. <and> he, <laughs> dude, you should see, he was, you know him, you've, you've met my brother-in-law, Steve. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He him, was Stevie. so pumped. He was like, bro, because he's not the guy that's going to go buy ties. He's probably still using the ones that like his parents made him buy when he was like 18. The knit at the, so, the bottom? Yeah, and so dude, I, I hooked him up and he's like, he's like, dude, all the bros at church are like, bro, where'd you get that sweet tie? Like I, I put his tie game on another level. Uh, because at the time when I had those jobs, again, sounds horrible. and I mean, I'd probably I probably sound a lot not like a blue-collar person on this podcast, but I had a personal shopper at Nordstrom's. Not what it sounds like. It was because well, you, I just didn't want to go did. in there. Hey, Bert, I didn't want bro, to go. You well, remember? you, you in, turned in, around to me. Do you remember? Her with the same, you same shopper. you gave to me because we <laughs> have the same problem. You and I don't want to go in there and wander around. And you and I can't put something together past Levi's and a t-shirt that match. And so it wasn't so no. much that we were trying to be bougie. I needed this girl to dress me because I did not have a woman in my life that could, right? So if wherever she is, I can still picture <laughs> her face. Her name was Christina. She was the bomb. Uh and, Do you remember and it was great you? because
0: I was like, I was like, dude,
1: yeah, this is my girl. and I'm like, bro, like, I can't. Stop. That's I'm weird. Not doing bro. This like, I don't so. yeah, I don't need a a lady to buy my clothes, bro. Oh, this is the best thing ever. Because you go in. She'd had them all laid out, and you're like, ooh, no, I don't, no way not. These three look good. And you try them on, and you're like, damn, I look good. Like, I could never have put that together on my own. And then here's the best part. She jumps out with that little chalk and marks everything up. You take it all off. You leave. You come back yeah. three days later. It's all cut to fit yeah. and pressed. Nordstrom's right. rat. Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's. God bless you people. You make it easy on dudes. And so. Um, Plaza. Yeah. So, anyway. That's total digression, but she made my tie game was dirty and my brother-in-law reaped the bit. I kept like black tie, silver tie, red tie, blue tie. Like I, that's, I, I kept like four, all the bitch pastels and, and like uh paisleys. I had all these killer ones. I blew him up. His tie game is, is dirty. So you're welcome. Little brother Stevie. But yeah, I don't, I don't, this is me, man. I, I you know, fortunately the company I work for, you know, pair of hiking pants, khakis, a polo shirt, a knit, whatever. Like, we're pretty laid back because it's construction. Um, But um, so I don't have to, like, dress over the top and coats and jackets and all that stuff. But, dude, when I'm at home, I mean, you know, I haven't changed. Like, my wardrobe, in fact, I still have things. I still have sweatshirts from college. I still have my, like, Rain Tree car wash sweatshirt I stole from Carl when when he worked at the Rain Tree in Santa Cruz, like, 30 years ago. I still have that thing. Dude, it's got holes I still wear it. So I'm that dude. I, I pretty much I'm pretty much like a 22 year old college student dress code in a 46 year old person's body. And I'm cool with it, man, because I'm comfortable. And uh, I got no one left to impress, dude. I convinced a, a model to marry me. Don't know how I did that. And after that, brother, I don't really need to impress anybody else. So anyway, Bro, I don't know how I, we got uh, on that tangent. But no, but
0: on but, uh, dress code, dress code, it's funny because I will roll in. I mean, the, the financial firm I work for, right? I roll in. Everyone has to come in in suits. My boss has a, has a Bentley. He comes in, in a three-piece suit. Everyone that has a meeting, I'll tell them, like, come in a three-piece suit. I am wearing a chive black t-shirt with Bill Murray on the front or bold strategy cotton. All for, I only buy t-shirts from the, from the chive now because I just love them, right? So 100% cotton, amazing chive t-shirts, boom, boom, boom. But I'm in jeans and a t-shirt and chucks. Everyone else in the office, three-piece suit, including the CEO who drove his Bentley in, who when I get into the car, you're gonna love this, and this is 100% me, and, and for people who are like, oh, you know what, I don't believe this. I just want you to verify. We go out, we get in the Bentley, and I sit in the back seat and he gets in the front seat because he's driving. And I start pushing buttons. I'm like, your TV doesn't work. <laughs> hey, James, where are we going for, 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 for lunch? What's happening? And he goes, Jason, get in the front seat. We have to talk. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, you're going to spend $400,000 on a Stretch Bentley. I'm sitting in the back seat. You drive me somewhere. <laughs> and people will email me and go, you would never talk to someone that way, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm also the level you. If you don't have fun with the people around you, then what's the point? A, B, to your dress code point. the The very real thing is, and you know, maybe we might have been the uh, the, uh, the 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 precipice that, that that put the 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 pedal to the metal. But our generation was also the group that goes, if you're going to judge me by the clothes I wear, go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, man, I think we're I think there's a great deal of that. Right. Like or the haircut or the sunglasses or the or the tattoo or whatever. Like we're um, I mean, those rebels definitely existed before us. See, you know numerous veterans organizations hells angels i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of that crew in that boomer generation that kind of you know stick it to the man thing and i wouldn't say that i would say that not, not to speak for a generation because that's super not okay to do but I, I know quite a few of those people in that generation because they raised me um, there there was this kind of like eh, to the government thing you know that that kind of bred this rebellion um, which is kind of cool. I think for us, it was more like, dude, if I have a Mohawk, it doesn't reduce my ability to do my job. And sure. um, I think they believe that it would limit you. And you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe there's, um, maybe there's a lot of people out there that looked at me early in my sales career and went, who is this bagaroo right here? But there were also a ton of people that didn't mind my tattoos, my faux hawk, and my white sunglasses because they spent a lot of money with me. So and, and they weren't just people my age. That's the common misclaimer is, oh, well, you're just you know selling things to other tattooed people your age. No. No. Most of my clients were twenty to thirty years older than me. Um, they just were the ones that didn't care, probably the ones that have the Harleys and and, <laughs> and the kind of the the renegade thing. But, yeah, I think we were the first group to really get hammered with the whole you can't do that because your hair, or, you can't dress like that and come to a meeting. And I think our response was, well, real quick, what is having on a sport coat do to change my message? It just makes me <laughs> makes me look. Makes me look more professional. If I sound professional enough, why does it matter? And maybe sure. we're wrong. I don't know, but I think I think you're right. I think G- Gen X. If that's I guess that's who we are. Um, I think I think we were kind of the first people to go. Yeah, bro. You know what? I can serve coffee with a nose ring, and no one's really going to get twisted up about it. Um, you know. And again, but I can every also employer,
0: do multi-million dollar deals.
1: Yeah, and in, it, in with, my without mind, without every, a sport coat, right? Every Every organization, hey, you set your standards. And if you don't believe in gauge earrings um, because you believe that stands in the way of the message you're delivering or it's not the message you want delivered, hey, props to you. That's why you're at the top of the food chain. You built the company, right? So I'm not mad at you. I just may choose not to work for you. Um, you know, I don't have earrings, but I, you know, I, I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I. I was once coached by a sales manager, probably not wrongly, that my level of bro-edness with this particular client was probably a little too soon to be oh sweet bro, you know what I mean It was just it's our yeah. culture, right it's 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 that you know for lack of a better term, coastal surfer, whatever you want to call it, dude bro, all that. Um, you know I and he was probably right. Um, you know the guy was, probably eight or nine years my senior, but it was Southern California. The guy had grown up not far from me in the central coast. He was a Santa Cruz guy. And, but my boss was a great dude, by the way, amazing guy. Um, my first like big boy sales job. And he was an amazing mentor. Um, his name is Danny and Danny was like, you know, man, and he's a dude and bro guy. He was good friends with Justin McIntyre. That's how I got the job. Oh, and shit. so, yeah, yeah, the king of the, the, bro- donut? Man, right? for, the donut, right? This is the donut born and raised in Newport Beach, Justin McAndee. So, um, yes. anyway, <clears throat> um, he was kind of like, I don't know, and I'm like, oh, shoot, man, like, I, uh, I, you, you know, yeah, dudes, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll dial that back, right? And so, the next time I, next couple times I saw this guy, I, I was a little more reserved, not, 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 not myself. But just a little bit more, Hey, you know, I, this is, you know, I probably should be more professional. This is a massive company and they make robotic surgical instruments. And, you know um, and it was funny because the second time I saw him after my boss coached me that way, he was like, bro, everything. Okay. Everything, everything cool. Like he thought there was something wrong with, like he could see this change and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh man, it, just to be honest. And so I just told him, like, I was just honest, right? Like oh, my boss told me, know, knows probably, you know, that. so I'm trying to be more professional and he goes, Bro, forget all that man. Like, who you were, is why I like you. And a week later, the guy was my first million dollar sale. He was the first company I ever sold a million dollars worth of things to, right? I was probably 20, oh, 28, 29. Um, and so, you know, not 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 uh, bad advice on the behalf of my boss Danny, but um kind of was my no, moment. Just... It was my just be yourself moment. And The people that don't want to do business with me won't, and the people that do will, and I'm rolling the dice hoping more people like me than don't, right? But trying to not be myself becomes very apparent, and so just be you, and you'll either be successful or not. Be coachable, but be you. And so uh, I told Danny that story later, and he goes, you can call everybody bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: you got a million dollars in, right? I mean, you run out of a million dollars. I guess, you know, the thing is, is that, and I I bring this up because where, where do you sit? And And this really, it really does come back to Tommy boy, right? Because it's about personality. So as a person now, who's not the personality necessarily, but you are you and you work with personalities, and you train personalities and you engage personalities. You have a million dollar sale under your belt that makes you you with personality. So how do you play the game? How do you navigate the waters that goes, oh wait this isn't personality. You're just being a moron or you're just not listening. There's a sales cycle. There's a thing that goes on and you're not getting it. How do you play both those games?
1: Well, I think first of all, man, it's, I may sound like I'm talking about both sides of my mouth, but you, You have to be yourself. You can't listen to podcasts or, or motivational speeches or your boss or your mentor or your friend, and then try and replicate exactly what they've done to be successful. That doesn't work. You take what they've done to be successful and find a way to work that into your um, approach to the job, the business sales, whatever it may be. Um, And then I think, I think while always staying true to yourself and being yourself, um, you also have to learn to mirror the energy and the speech projection and the, the tone of the client because the client, especially the prospective pers- the client – is calling the shots. He's got something you want, right? He's got the golden PO book or whatever it may be, um, and you're looking to build a relationship. At least I hope you are as a salesperson. Otherwise, get out now. You're looking to build a relationship first with this individual, that then translates to business dealings. Because newsflash, I'm gonna I'm gonna say breaking, groundbreaking stuff here. People buy things from people they like. They buy, they shop with their friends. So. The relationship, the genuine relationship has to come first, and then the sale will follow. It's a process. It's not a a singular event. Um, But I think you need to learn to mirror that image. And, you know, there's a bazillion books written on this, the psychology of the clothes. There's all these different things. But the simple truth of the matter is... If you have a gentleman that's rather buttoned down and has that top buttons buttoned and you can see the coats pressed over here and his desk is very organized and he's sitting up straight and he has his hands folded on his desk. That's not the place you come in and like lounge and put your foot on his like table and like put your hand down your, you know what I mean? like, that's not, that, that's not, that's not the look, right? And this probably sounds basic to some people, but you'd be amazed how many times I've watched people poop the bed with this kind of stuff. So this, there's this mirroring, mirroring that goes on. And I think the other thing, you know, you get asked all the time, interviews are just different people. And by no means, am I some smashing success that people run to, but people ask you like, Hey, what, what makes us, what makes a good sales guy? And I think part of it is, man, you have to be kind of part chameleon. You, you have to be able to change your color and change your stripes again, staying within who you are, but, um, you kind of need to be flexible and bendy, man, because the more, um, chameleon like you can be the more successful you will be because it's really all about how on a spectrum that's six feet wide, let's say, how many people on that spectrum do I appeal to six inches of the six feet, five feet, six inches of the six feet, two feet of the six feet is going to dictate your success. So I, I, I don't know do you if you said you're that talking
0: right about way, but... this? Hold on. When you're talking about this, by the way, I believe in spectrum and I, I, I a thousand percent agree with you, but as you're talking about this, I love this because Chris Farley is changing his outfit on the airplane trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, like, he went from, I'm going to pretend to be a flight attendant to now I'm going to be me, but now I'm stuck in a restroom. Like, I'm stuck here because I pretended to be something I wasn't, and I'm doing this. If anyone's watching this movie as we're doing this podcast, the advice Actually, could not be more representative of a film.
1: Well, I'm glad I accidentally did that. <laughs> again, <laughs> let me let me tell you another one of my mottos, not my own, but I adopted it: better lucky than good, uh, which clearly applies here. Um, yeah, man. I, again, I you know I think that there's there's really no secret recipe to this profession, but it it is it is tough. And and the only thing I'll say is. I've, I've employed, coached, worked alongside gentlemen who we thought were salesmen. They thought they were salesmen. Maybe they came up through the ranks in a different job in our organization or came to us from outside our organization. And a couple years, sometimes down the road, you'll start to see that, like, is this guy, does he like this or is he just doing it? And Sure. You realize, I think that this process is rather painful. I think that our perceived lack of productivity might be that we've got this guy in the wrong position. And I've been part of a couple where we were able to transition an individual um, in Vegas away from a sales position and into an operational position where he soared like an eagle and was never happier. So I think... The, the, the point of that story is to say um, you, you want to stay true to who you are and have fun doing the job, whatever the job is, because if you're f- faking such a, a, a negatively connotative word, but if you're if you're not. Um, If you're not being who you are, it becomes laborious over time and it becomes stressful over time and it starts to erode at your mental and physical health um, as it pertains to your work environment. And like I tell people all the time, we spend more time doing that than anything else. I mean, look, man, straight up, we had to delay the start of this thing because it was 730 local and I was still wrapping up some business stuff. Um sure. I started the day. I started the day at 5 30. Um you and me both not, not, like not going to the gym, not riding a bike. Like I literally was on my email and starting to plug away with my day and if read I, spreadsheets and AM. financial reports at five thirty. Maybe not every day at yep. five thirty, but this particular day today stretched 14 hours. So if I hated this, that's a long day, right? So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's why you know it's important to just be true to who you are, and and because if you're not, the the client um, will see it, and then it it derails your what you're trying to accomplish, and also it just becomes tiresome for you. Like what a what a burden to walk around going, okay, man. And I and I say that not not being shitty. I say that because I've I've done that. I've had jobs that I thought I would dig. Um, that I was freaking miserable at and it eroded my health, like literally my physical health. So um, you know, you 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 don't wanna try and change your stripes to be a, a tiger you're not, I guess, is that's a long way around the barn. But anyway, yeah, I, so, I think, so let's stay 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 let me say this.
0: We're gonna We're gonna we're gonna come up Dan Aykroyd's on the film. We are we're sixteen minutes out. Comedic We genius. are long comedic genius. We're long-winded people. So um, let me ask you this. We're going to spin it out, do a little bit of fun, and we're going to bring it back to something serious, but spin it out for a little bit of fun here. Growing up, you're a kid. I know about basketball. I know about football. I mean, I, I know so much about you. What was your dream job?
1: Firefighter, man. Hands down, not Stop. even close, nothing else. Firefighter Stop. my whole life. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. That's all I ever wanted to be. That's why I quit college after my second year at Hartnell and junior college and went down to Santa Maria, man, and got my EMT and worked as an EMT and worked as a volunteer firefighter in Orcutt, California. Um, I wanted to be a Dude, fireman, man. We had
0: nights. Hold on. Hold on. I, I hate to interrupt. We had nights at, at, at many bars in Southern California talking about the shit you saw as an EMT. Stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, 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 uh, honestly, some of those stories literally inspired our friend, John, who also experienced similar stories to become a nurse.
1: John owes his whole life to me. If we can just be clear. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, short of, I won't take anything away from John's sweet mom. I didn't birth that giant man, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit from like twenty eight to, to present day. I, I just I think that I wholly inspired him to be all he can be. And I hope that he's listening to this quarantine by himself in his time no, He'll listen in Utah to it. He'll listen to it and right now. Laugh, and laughing his butt off. Uh, anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. The stories, EMT stories. No,
0: but it's just, it's it's like it's like that's a that's a crazy thing. Like firefighter. I mean, if you look at firefighters, right? The the idea of not being able to rest is, uh, is the, the greatest detriment to your health. But at the same time, like I say this and I say that and I go, man, there's a guy who doesn't revolve around rest but revolves around drive in different ways. Like, I think this is where you and I vibed. And this is also, I think, where you and I on party weekends literally take divergent turns, right? Because we're not the rest people. We're not the we're not the people the person who goes, "Oh no, you know what? I'm going to sleep in." The difference is is that like my dream job was from a little kid, my dream job, my first dream job, the first one I ever wanted to do. Driving through the roads in Montana terrified of snakes, terrified of deer popping out because the, the, the weeds were so high. I was like, what if someone paid me to have a lawnmower that I could drive? And I would drive it along the highways of Montana so that deers couldn't pop out, so I wouldn't hit a deer, so snakes wouldn't come out, I wouldn't run them over. My dream job was mowing lawns along the side of highways. That was my dream job. As I think you'd be kid.
1: good
0: at that. Be really By the good way, at that, it. Is
1: a, that is a lucrative profession in the state of Texas. Where I come <laughs> from in Vegas, it's all rocks. There's nothing to mow. But out here, there are out an here. army of people mowing grass everywhere. It's unbelievable. Um, so thriving, it's not, thriving really, it's business.
0: A, it's not falsified. But I guess I look at that and I go, we look at where we wanted to be. And then, and then we look at where we are. And if you look at what you wanted to do, and I, my, my whole job was like making sure things didn't happen that were bad. Connecting the dots in the best way possible, right? Like I don't want a bad thing to happen, but I want to connect the dots to make sure that bad things don't happen. Think about firefighters. Think about what they do. And then you think about what you do you manage expectations you manage you manage delivery you manage all of these things i bring it up because guess what we didn't miss the mark that much sure because you know just whatever it may be you've got four friends in a car and we're driving in vegas and there's a big house fire and i'm yelling Let's put it out. And you're like, yeah, it's not the right day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Brett, you didn't miss the mark. You are helping people. You're literally putting out fires and they're not the physical fires but you're literally doing all these things. You didn't miss your mark.
1: No, man. I got pretty close to it. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate to be in um, a profession, especially when I was in the field as a sales rep, where a lot of, um, a lot of my job was client problem solving. And so they would call me um, with something that they couldn't figure out how to take care of and needed a product to take care of it. So it got to scratch that itch. Um, because I do at my core, I just, I dig helping people. Um, uh, and so, uh, I get to do that. I got to do it for clients for, um, you know, the better part of a decade here at my firm. And now I get to do it for, uh, the guys I'm fortunate enough to manage. I get to help them through, you know, I was helping a, a new guy today. That's why I was on the clock after hours. Uh, he had a client that, needed something urgently and he's new to us and didn't know how to fill the gap. And so we got on a conference call, the three of us and Googled some stuff and set him up. So he's taken care of tomorrow morning and uh, I get tremendous satisfaction from that, man. I'm not afraid to admit it. That's what makes me tick. And not because not only did I get to help our new guy, but I get to help a client in the process. So yeah, I love it. And I, yeah, I'm not too far from the mark. Definitely. Uh, for any firefighters or first responders listening, not trying to compare my cushy sales gig to no, you know, no, running no, into burning yeah, buildings. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I I did get close. But um, I'll tell you, man, I I still um, I'd do it today. Um, I love what I do. No desire to change what I do or who I do it for. Um, but if the universe threw me some curveball and I had no choice but to separate from my my organization due to me not wanting to separate, but I did. If somebody would take a 47 year old moderately in shape firefighter, I'm down. Like I, um, (laughs) I have several friends who are firefighters. um, And I, I just, I think it's a, an amazing career hats off to all those folks who did it. I I was an EMT for um, the better part of two years. And uh, yeah, I've worked alongside some amazing um, fire rescue um, personnel over the years and they are, there's something else, man. Tremendous, tremendous group of people.
0: So, so last question here. As fathers of daughters, my one, my one thing I say, my daughter is not allowed to say is can't. I don't care about anything else. I really don't care about anything else. She says the F word at school. I'm just like, "Eh, she probably learned it from me. I mean, I, and I have principals and I have people in, uh, in, uh, you know, in the school that are just, You know, they don't like me because I am that person. I'm like, no, the one word you're not allowed to say is can't. You're not. In the raising of our daughters, and I'm going to say two things, and I'm going to turn the floor over to you. But I, I was like, I'll never spank my daughter because I can't live in a world where I'm like, it's okay if a man hits you. But then... When it comes to this guy hitting you, nah, not okay. Hey, I can't. I can't live in that world. So I'll never. I'll never spank her. I, I, there's. I'm smarter. I'm smarter than the problem that goes with physical violence on a woman that can perpetuate to physical violence on a woman that, that that in her in her mind she links back to and goes, yeah, but dad hit me. So you know, I don't want. I don't want. And and someone would be like. That's a stretch. It could be a stretch. It could be the biggest stretch in the world. I'm not part of the game. I'm not doing it. I'm not part of the game. I'm not. I will never be part of the game. Ever. Because I can't have that play out. A, B, I already talked about. She She's not allowed to say the word can't. I've brought her in front of famous people. Like legit. Legislators. Um, actors, actresses, producers, um, people, CEOs that, that, that are the, they're the Fortune 100s. And I look at her in front of them and I go, what's the word you're not allowed to say? And she goes, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. And they look at me and they're just like, this is the kind of, this is the woman we want. This is what We want. The woman that doesn't say can't. This is the woman we want. And then the final thing is I go, I literally take a step back and I look at my kid and every night and then I go, this is the relationship, the only relationship that you didn't agree to. You never, you never wanted me as a dad. Ever. You never did. You never sat up in heaven and thought, man, that's the guy I want as a dad. You never said it. You got stuck here. You got stuck with me. And I'm proud you got stuck with me, but I don't know how you feel. I don't, but I'll tell you this, I'll listen every day and I'll listen to my failures I'll listen to my successes every day. I will. I just will. Because I don't know how to be better. I can be a good role model. I can do certain things. There's lots of stuff. But I just don't know. And I'm okay with it. So as the movie ends, you know, the, the, the... in Tommy Boy, right, the wind kicks up and his dad sails him across the, the ocean. Brett, <laughs> as a friend, as as a father to a daughter, as a, as, a, as a man who we've talked to about our kids so much. I mean, my daughter was a year old. We're flying to Vegas. We're hanging out with my daughter our party was me bringing my daughter to Vegas in that world that we live in where we just celebrate our daughters so much I just I want people to hear from you because your daughter's a little older a but B also I mean this is it's such a thing that I think people miss as daughters, sons. It's inconsequential. There's a mo- there, there, there are moments they miss, and we and I'm not saying we haven't missed a moment. I'm just saying that I do, I believe between you and me and everyone listening, we've missed a million moments, but. How do you try to grab as many as you can?
1: Um, Well, I think to be an effective parent, shoot, even to be an effective spouse, as I'm approaching July will mark 19 (laughs) years of marriage to my wife, um, I think you've got to, there's some death to self that has to take place. Um, because there's no room in a partnership of that magnitude for selfish behavior. So for me, uh, and Lord knows I'm not perfect at it and there is no blueprint on how to raise kids because they're all different and we're all different, but, um, can we talk about that real
0: quick? Hold on real quick. Can we talk about that? Because we, um, could, bad, or indifferent, right? Different households. Your mom was divorced once. If you don't remember me saying, no, I don't know. My mom was divorced. Well, we, well, we, we're We've we run out of fingers.
1: <laughs> we, we perhaps have had to matriculate to a toe, possibly. <laughs> no, it hasn't been that many.
0: But, but, man. We still – and I, I say this because there's no perfect – it's not like we had the perfect background. I bring it up because we don't have the perfect, perfect background. And in not having the perfect background, we challenge ourselves to be better. And that's why I bring it up.
1: Yeah, that's a crutch, man. So I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to go full – full dick move right here, which is something I typically do, but um, these are one of the... the, You've you've plucked a cord of one of the few things I'm passionate on. The people who had less than perfect or abysmal childhoods that use it as an excuse to be abysmal parent, get your shit together. Um, It's not a freaking excuse. Uh, It's unacceptable, and you, and only you, control how you parent. uh, People who suck at parenting and that, you know, oh, well, you know, he had a really bad childhood. I call flat bullshit on that because you can break the curb. And here's how I know that yours was less than ideal. Probably <laughs> one of the best, probably one of the best fathers I know. Um, oh, my wife's, you. my wife's was less than ideal Jesus uh, on wife's... her paternal side. Um, it yeah. was a fucking, it was a fucking car fire. If Horrible. I can just speak honestly, car um, yeah. she is. And unusually amazing mother. Uh, yes, she serious? has her moments. I she would drop
0: her... my daughter off to your house any day of the week.
1: Twice she's unbelievable. Day. She's, she's she amazing is, at it. But she's
0: also, she's been a great mother to us as men.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, but I, there are so many examples. My brother in law, her, 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 you know, technically half brother, um, same family, same shit show, great dad, supportive dad. Um, took some coaching and a, and a fantastic woman in the form of my sister-in-law, Callie, to help him arrive there. Um, but that's all of us. Um, so first of all, I'm done with all the, well, you know, I was beat, so I'm going to beat my kid. That's horseshit. Um, figure it out. Do better. Uh, break the cycle. Um, it's not about you. I think that's, I'm going to go Rick Warren and take the first sentence out of Purpose Driven Life, which says it's not about you. It ain't about you. It's never been about you. If you operate every day, if it being about you, you need to get with the program because it's about everybody but you. Uh, and I don't care if you're 16 listening to the podcast or 69. If you haven't figured that out, um, sorry. Um, it's it's about everybody else around you and the relationships you've chosen to enter into. Um, and Again, I have countless examples uh, of friends and family members that have broken the cycle of addiction, abuse, you name it. Um, my, my brother-in-law's father-in-law, his wife's husband or wife's father, um, had quite possibly the most horrific childhood you could have. Like, I don't even think a three-part miniseries on Lifetime could do this justice. And I'm not saying that to be flippant. Um, this man had a horrific upbringing and watching him with his, let me see, she's I think five children who are all now adults and, and married. Yeah. Four children, uh, four girls, one boy who are all adults, all married. And I believe now all of them um, have families of their own, some quite large four and five kids watching him, how he parented to create the people he did and then how he continues to parent his adult children and how he grandparents you almost can't believe the backstory. He's that good at it. And he, it's just effortless. He's just it's just who he is. Dude, I love the guy. I want to adopt him to be my father. I tell him all the time, dude, I want you David, I want you to be my dad. I want you to be my father in law. I'd like to trade mine in. Um so I, I don't I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't buy the well, my life was bad, so I'm going to wreck this tiny person's life. Uh, it's not an option. Um, and, and that's why I think going back to my original statement, you got to die to yourself, your garbage, your junk, your cell phone, your work schedule. Yes, all that stuff's important. It's impossible to provide a child, a daughter, anybody else with, with all the things they need to be awesome if you're not gainfully employed. So I get it that work's important, but uh, and this has been something that has been a challenge for me and, and and my brother-in-law. We talk about it a lot. is drawing that line between the work schedule and the home schedule. But the simple truth is <clears throat> what I have tried to do, and I do not – I'm not successful at it all the time. Um, what I have tried to do is if she needs my attention, grant it, and then go back to whatever it was I was doing I'm fortunate that I work in it again, back to my work environment for a brief moment. I'm fortunate that I work for a place where they value that as much as I do. So there's a certain amount of leeway that maybe I get that other folks wouldn't. Um, I would say if you work for an employer, I don't care what you do or how much money you make and they don't give a shit about your family, I'd start applying at other places to work. Um, because if they're not allowing you to give that time um then there's going to be a lot of regret in the future for all parties concerned so i guess to sum it up in a nutshell um i need to stop what i'm doing and be involved in what she wants to be involved in even if i don't really have time to play catch and i don't really have time to watch uh, you know, my daughter's a dancer I don't really have time to watch this new dance she concocted to some song that I probably don't want to listen to all of that shit's irrelevant and back to my original point it's selfish behavior like look, man I really don't have time to watch your dance uh, I've seen them. you're a freaking amazing but like I got shit I need to do that's selfish behavior that's a selfish mindset and so uh, I think successful parenting comes from connectivity uh, connectivity comes from putting my wants, desires, needs, and things, work list, list, checklist, to-do list, honey-do list, aside and being present in the moment and giving her the time and attention she needs. Because I'll tell you, the times I don't is when she the most acts out and comes off the rails. Because she's measuring that time and as affection and love, right? Oh, he doesn't have time to watch me dance, so you know, then it starts to create, and then you see the bad behavior creeps up. So I think there's a direct, I, I well, let me say, let me say this, because I'm not a child psychologist or a marriage counselor or a family counselor in my home. The times that I have been short with her, because I've, I've let myself behave selfishly, the repercussion is bad behavior because her feelings are hurt. I rejected her. So, and in our house, you know, interesting, di- another dynamic, which, uh, you know, I don't know if it bears mentioning or not, but who knows who's listening. Uh, My daughter's adopted. My daughter's adopted. Um, My wife and I were unable to have kids after a long saga, which is its own mini series uh, to try and get there. Um, We were, we were blessed with literally an out of the blue opportunity that is probably once in a million Um, friend of a friend had a baby on the way that that friend of a friend of a friend had a baby on the way that she could not provide for, um, and, you know, lo and behold, too long a story to tell, but we end up adopting our daughter. We made the decision, um, based on conversations with people who've adopted people who've been adopted, friends, family, watching our own, you know, people through college go through it. We decided to, to tell our daughter from the get go, um, that she's adopted and not have the, you know, moment at 15 where, Hey, we need to have a quick talk again, not shitting on people who do it that way. No, but Hey, um, here's a cake. Everybody, every right. Everybody, do you? Um, our experience was um, our experience with personal friends and our feedback. We we probably talked to a hundred people that had either been adopted or adopted to children to make to come to this decision. So it wasn't something that we did on our own. We we did research, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, anyways, we we've told her from the beginning. She knows um, one of the things that we've had to navigate through is. As an adoptive parent, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. For us, it was life-saving. It was marriage-saving. It was everything. It was literally a heavenly-provided lifeline, or we were going to spiral and probably crash into a ditch. Um, because of the effort that went into trying to conceive our own child and the disappointment involved there. And if anyone's listening, it's going through that. My heart goes out to you because it sucks up all of the dicks. So um, one of the things we've learned through counseling in recent years is while as a as an adoptive parent, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you as the adopted child, if they're in a healthy home, which I'd like to think ours is. They too feel like, well, this is great. My parents are cool, but I see how they love me and how I'm such a big deal. Why did these other two people not want me? Sure. And that starts to creep in and it creates a hypersensitivity to rejection. So to full circle it, the rejection piece of that, while I think probably exists in any child, is magnified given our dynamic, our family dynamic. And so I have to be, and so does my wife, very sensitive and very careful with rejection because it could be as simple as a, hey, don't do that. Even though we're right and you shouldn't be doing that, whatever it is, it's perceived as rejection, which doesn't mean we nerf everything and we sugarcoat everything, but it's just something that we have to be clear of. And it really uh, magnifies itself in, in time management with her. So for her to come out with a soccer ball and say, dad, can we go kick the ball? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to do this. I got to, you know, relace my basketball shoes. That's a huge blow to my daughter. Um, maybe more so than the average kid. Um, so, uh, that's it, man. I mean, I guess that was a, like you said, we're wordy, but, um, (laughs) it's not about you um it, it's it's about them and you need to demonstrate that with your time so that's my again i i hope no one's listening writing these things down going all right cuz i my daughter may run out here right now and shove an ice pick in my leg i don't even know <laughs> but uh i'm i'm trying my best
0: you know it's uh the person who's known you for, shit, 27 years now? 26? 1996,
1: buddy. So, whatever the math for. No, no, ni-
0: 1995.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: 20 years. 21 years. No. You
1: know,
0: uh, 21 yeah, years.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, more than that. Uh, yeah, more than that. But, you know... Um, Twenty-five. Yeah, we're 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 Earl.
1: I. uh, But we look good. We look good. We do. We do. Look look good. Day over forty-six and three quarters.
0: I would say this. One. Um. One of the great things about our friendship. One of the great. One of the great things about our circle of friendship. But one of the great things about our friendship is we don't share our good points as much as we share our bad points, as much as we share our despair, our pain, our suffering, our wondering where things go, our moments of of, of darkness. We're not afraid to share that. And I bring that up because you you encapsulated it in family with adoption and people should encapsulate it in family with with, with or without adoption, which is a I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. B are your kid, my kid, they never chose this relationship, right? like We chose it for them. Uh-uh. And yet you we still work as hard as we can because we understand the value of a relationship. There are, you know, Gen X gets a lot of shit for lack of community. Gen X gets a lot of shit for, yeah, but you don't, how many many of you actually know your grade school friends or this or that or the other? I'll tell you this. I don't have a lot of positive moments for where we, where we went to college. I don't. But I have the best friends in the world where we went to college. I have the tr- most trusted confidants of where I went to college. I have the greatest people in the world because of where I went to college. Not because they're smarter or better than me, but because they hold me accountable. Getting married, having a kid, celebrating that relationship, creating a relationship out in and outside of that with the family that already existed or did not exist. I bring that all up because we are in a moment now where relationships matter most. We are in a moment now where, yeah, I mean, I can't hug you. I, I, I can't dap. I can't, I can't do anything. But I felt a connection. Now, our connection runs so deep. I mean, Pull, pull the weed up. If we're a weed in a lawn, at right, our connection, then that motherfucker can pull the weed up every day, sprouting a new one, sprouting a new one. It doesn't matter. For the people that can't or didn't want that or, or couldn't foster that, these are still great times to do it, A. But B, more importantly, it's like, Maybe, maybe you neglected what was that weed. And and in my humble opinion, friendships are weeds. They're weeds, right? Kids, you have them, you don't have them. It's inconsequential. But the kids, if you have them, don't have them, right? They are like sharing videos. You like them. You call up. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe Ainsley's done all the things she's done. She is Um, I mean, she, she inspires my daughter in gymnastics to do more because she sees Ainsley doing stuff. Your daughter. That's butter. Where's the weed? And I'll bring it back to what I said earlier. Where's the weed? Friendship is a weed, it's a good weed, it's a good thing. We dig in to each other. We challenge one another. Remember the text with you, me, and John about what were the podcast, the first podcast we were going to do, and you're like, I'm out. If we didn't have weeds, if we didn't have roots, if we didn't know that we loved one another and we were just bullshitting, someone might have been like, well, we're not doing a podcast
1: bro, you tried to win Harry Met Sally me. I mean, I was, <laughs> you know, I'm throwing out like Top Gun, Pivotal Films that formed me. And you're like, I was thinking more like when Harry Met Sally or what was that other <laughs> bullshit movie you threw out? I'm like, bro, I'm out. Like, I don't I'm not I'm not giving a, no disrespect to when Harry Met Sally. Fantastic film, but not exactly one I want to sit down and like have a bro conversation to like, come on, man. Give me yeah. like some Mission Impossible or Something with some guns in it or something.
0: But we're friends. You get to say that. We get to say that back and forth. How many friends don't get to do that? And I bring all this up because fatherhood and loving your kid and loving your wife. I'm going to say this and and correct me if I'm wrong. If you love your kid, you love your wife, you love your family, you love everyone else. And you don't love your friends, it's one of two things. You got the wrong friends, or you don't love your friends. And you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say it out loud. You know what? I don't love my friends. I got to figure out why. Because our group, and I have people who say it, they're like, man, you guys are so special. I'm like, how are we special? I just love him. But I love Brett. I love all the things he's taught me. I love all the things he said that I disagree with. I love Brett. like I love John, like I love Yaya, like I, lo- I uh, listen. Mills, Heather Rogers, she just had a baby. I mean, think about think about this. you know, and this is a little hyperbole here, but that woman went through the hardest miscarriage of all time and took pictures and embraced the miscarriage. And then uh, on the, after, dawn, after
1: losing, after losing her veteran husband, in a spectacular husband, fashion, one of the uh, most impressive humans I know, man, she's yeah. uh, that, that woman doesn't, she's the strongest she woman you, of all time. doesn't, know how to quit at all it's just not in her DNA and it's it's what makes her special she's uh, incredible, when it, an, incredible when person. It could quit, right like look at the
0: birth when it could quit when it could quit
1: when the kid yeah, I don't think anybody would have
0: found the throat and the kid was no longer breathing when she could quit when she could be like oh you know it's just not you know what oh man what's going on she was reaching out to us going I'm gonna have a kid and guess what? She's got one. And I'm not. It's a magic cure. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that in her darkest moment, in her brightest moment, in her private, in her brightest moment when shade was thrown on it. Look at our text thread. Look at us. Look at her. Look at her husband. Look at us. Look at all of it. And I bring all of that up because, one, we don't live in a vacuum, and two, this special group of people that we have—it's very special group of people we have—and everyone has them. The difference is, quite honestly, is we've energized it. We have. We've energized it. We 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 have we have we have spent hours on the phone. We have have taken away from our family time to build our family time. We have figured out a beautiful balance. And look at little Camden now. Baseball outfits, doing everything. We didn't do anything. But I'll tell you what we did. Tell you what we did. From 1995, moving forward, we always called her Auntie Heather. Why? because we knew she'd be a great mom. We did. We loved her in her darkest moment. We loved her in her highest moments. We loved her in those SEC dorms and bullshit and everything else going on. We did, we did. And it's not an applause to us, as it's applause to friendship. So I, I actually I, 20, I actually yeah. think
1: somebody should shower us with applause because having, <laughs> having to deal with her for a quarter of a century deserves some sort of accolade if for nothing else I watched a lot of softball as a result we lost that young we lady. Watched a
0: lot of softball.
1: I lost a lot of my life watching softball so I, I kind of feel Sun like
0: Devil? we should Do You
1: remember drinking at College
0: or something drinking next to uh, the AD of a Christian college, the athletics director of a Christian college, drinking Sun Devil, you, me, and Chris Mills, because I, I was the sales manager for Sun Devil. We would drink it next to him. And he's like, is that lemonade? And we're
1: like, the best lemonade in the world. And he's like, B-Dub, don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> don't you worry about my cup, buddy. Another, uh, another amazing human being, by the way. It is. Uh, yeah.
0: Right. Here's, here's, here's the, the final question. Obviously, the movie ended about 10 minutes ago. Um, the final question for you. And then we're going to go to my daughter sing about pooping for the first time. It's, it's Yay. fun. Everyone loves it. Everyone does love it. And they're like, hey, boom, 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 please. But honestly, um, as a dad, as a friend, um, as a husband, I would say that I, I would ask you this. This is, this is a curveball, but in the lockdown moment that kind of all of us live in, where uh, where do you find patience and balance, and uh, and where do you give support?
1: Ah. Uh, Man, um, I would say um, that patience by all parties in pretty much every family I know that's in this current situation um, is probably the most trying thing. Um, You know, you've got a, a weird dynamic in like, you know, we joke, we joke in our house. We have a dog, Lulu. Lulu does not take Lulu's us leaving. Lulu's so cute. Lulu's amazing. She does not. Lulu's little. <laughs> She's like 11 pounds. She's a rescue dog. She was homeless. We took her. We adopt everything. That's how we roll over here. Um, side side note to, to say this. Uh, we joke that like Lulu will look back on the COVID as the best time of her life. because we're all here and we're, we're never all here. You know what I mean? So, um, I say that because this is highly unusual. I'm, I've never, I mean, the last time I had a work from home job, it was just Christy and I, and I was alone all day at the house when I wasn't making sales calls because she had a full-time job as a teacher. So, this is a new dynamic. So much so that like as you we were laughing before we went on air on the last podcast, like I've literally constructed a desk out of like a camping table and two saw horses because I don't even have an office. I don't I, I made a conscience effort in this house we downsized and I didn't want an office space. I didn't want a place to draw me in away from the family. So the office is a craft room and a dance studio for my wife so they can do their things. So everybody's kind of on top of each other's space. I mean today I, I operated my business out of my backyard patio on a, on a, on a you know an outdoor table. Um, I think patience is probably what everybody's running thin on. Um, I don't know about the rest of the world, but we're in uh, this is month, this is this is a month. this week will be a month. When this week completes, it'll be a month I've been working from home, which is a long time. And it's very disruptive. And all of a sudden, my wife's a homeschooling teacher again because school's out. And um, you know, it, it's patience is running thin in houses across America. I think if you haven't seen the meme of the dude, and it's like a voiceover, and they're like, uh, "If you have two options in COVID, hey, <laughs> you can." A- a- you can be sheltered in place with your wife and children, or and the guy goes B before the dude even answers, he gives it a B, and he say like, B. Yeah, I think that's every man who's used to getting up and leaving the fray, because we get it easy uh, for, for you stay-at-home dads. I, this isn't for you, but for us that are in you know the providers or in the workforce, we get it easy, man. We get up in the morning, we dip. Mom's got to deal with all the lunacy and the making of lunches and schedules and you know all that stuff. And now we're thrust into that, and we're like, "Whoa, this is too much." And they're like, "Why are you in the way?" And everyone's a little frazzled because you haven't seen you know people from the outside world face to face that much. Uh, so I think patience is in short supply. Um, and the second part of your question uh, is is um, I'll answer this way: find a way to have more patience because. <laughs> um, what you should, you know, you said it, said something earlier and I didn't want to stop you because it was, it was what you were saying was, was pretty, I was enjoying it. But, um, what I think we all need to do in those moments of like irritation, uh, and, and believe me, we're all experiencing it. Um, everybody, um, you know, in-laws and, and sales guys, we all have families. We're all talking about it. We're all going through it. Right. I hear Christy on the phone with her girlfriend saying the same stuff I'm saying to my coworkers, you know? So, um, here's what we should all be thankful for. We're all healthy. For the most part in my circle of friends, we're all employed. Um, got a few folks in Vegas that are in the hospitality world that aren't so lucky, but my core group of people, um, are still all gainfully employed. And I think, I think in that moment where we're like, okay, man, I'm trying to have a business call and you're turning on the microwave, trying to make like a pancake, you know, sausage stick, you know, Jimmy Dean, like, yo, you can see, I'm like pointing at my ear and going, I'm on the phone and my kid's like, just beep, beep in the background. I think that in those moments, we just need to be thankful that that beeping is the microwave in my house and not a ventilator across town where she's locked in a room and I can't even see her, which in in what could be the last moments of her life. So I think, I think in the moments of irritation, we all need to take a step backwards and go, yo, there are a lot of people, uh, stories are out there on the internet, they're easy to find. There are a lot of people that um, would give anything to be in their husband's way or be in their wife's way or have their wife in their way or their kid in their way today uh, that can't. Uh, and one of the things that I think is most tragic about this is given its commiculable, commiculable gosh, I'm struggling, Given the fact that it is transferable or it is contagious, um, these folks that are passing away from this are dying alone, away from their families. Uh, They're spending a month, two months, six weeks, nine days, 20 days, whatever it is, completely isolated from everybody they know and love. And then their life's ending. And that is not cool. That is a tremendous, I'm sure, lack of closure for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of a lot of family members trying to explain things to children um, about, yo, mom's not coming back or dad or grandma or grandpa. And so I think in those moments where we're prone to go shitty kitty because we're irritated, uh, we're all smushed together in a 2000 square foot you know, house. Um, I think you just need to remember you're lucky that we're all still in the house and we're all in one piece. Um, that's what I'm trying to do, because believe me. I've run out of patience more than one time in this month. So,
0: wiser words have not been spoken, and uh,
1: that's not true. But okay,
0: no, that's that's, that's, that's that. Was, that was, what you said was was very true. Um, it really was. It's very true, and it was uh, it was insightful in the fact that uh, everyone goes. Yeah, okay. Grandma's gonna go away. Grandpa's gonna go away. Uncle Tom, uh, Uncle Tim, you know, Aunt Susie—they're gonna go away. You a light. You you put a light on something that I don't think a lot of people understand, and the burden and the weight that uh, that they might go away alone, and or that they are going away alone. And uh, that's not something to take lightly. It's really not. Um, now, and I'll say this, you know, it's not, this is not a, uh, uh, an emotional, it's part of emotional response, but it's also part of a thing of like, hey, everyone, um, it is really fun at the end of the podcast to hear my kid sing about the first time she could poop by herself. It is. And Brett and I are going to do more podcasts. We're going to have a lot more fun. But for this one, for this moment, for what he said, not about that grandma's going away or grandpa's going away or your uncle or your aunt are going away. But I wanted to sink in that they they might go away by themselves. Those insightful words. There's not a closing song. There's not. There is a moment. And there will be a long pause here. Say a prayer. Do whatever you want to do. But. In that moment. Maybe. Maybe a share. Maybe an idea. Maybe a thought that doesn't go to how much I loved them, how great they were, but instead it gives you a pause to go, but they're by themselves. And that's hard. But this podcast was not built on things that don't make things hard. This podcast was not built on things that go, well, it's all about laps. I mean, shit, I wish it was. It's not. It's not my nature in any way, shape, or form. So, what I'm going to do is, uh, and I'll have a pause in this at the end. But, um, Brett, as you know, I love you to death. Uh, you literally are a brother to me. Um, you are more special in my life. I would like to say that you'd ever know but you know how special you are because of the moments we've spent together. Um, that said, I would say two things to everyone listening. One, those people, grab them. Grab them, embrace them. You don't need a podcast. You don't need anything else. You just grab them and embrace them. Two, to what Brad said about the people that are, are literally passing away alone. He did it on a bummer, but sometimes a bummer is appropriate. Sometimes a moment of reflection is most appropriate. And that's now. So uh, think about if you're a person, you don't like this, think about what you can do to help make sure that whatever that is that ending that could not be alone. Think about that and what you can do. Take that moment, that pause. Think about that. Just think about that. Because there's not a right or wrong answer, but uh, there is a right or wrong action. And you've highlighted uh, something that, uh, that, that quite honestly hasn't been highlighted enough in the press, which is, There's too many people based on quarantine that are dying alone. Um, And uh, that should trouble our souls more than anything else going on. Anything else. Brother, I love you so much. You know I do. I love your family. I love the kids. I I love everything. So the kids because the dog, the rabbit, everything. I just put them all as kids, right? Right. Of course ainsley is number one but you got kids and you know that because like, it's like diaper duty with everything else there he is but um, yeah i
1: don't i don't for the record i don't claim the rabbit I <laughs> an, an outside child that was brought into this unholy union by my wife he doesn't like me he bites me he thinks we're in competition for my wife's affection what he doesn't know is that I have opposable thumbs and a barbecue grill, and I can bring <laughs> his life to a screeching halt. But we've learned to coexist. Uh, yeah. On a closing note, man, uh, I love you. Uh, appreciate again the opportunity to get together with you and hang out uh, and spend this time together. And for the for the folks out there that are listening, thank you. And uh, tomorrow has never been promised, so uh, love each other, man. Um, don't don't let uh, the end of our podcast bring you down, use it as motivation to wake up tomorrow with a new vigor, uh, and, um, start your day knowing you're blessed because if you woke up breathing, um, you're on the right side of things. So, uh, be cool. Love each other. And, uh, we'll do this again soon, buddy.
0: Thank you, brother. Love you so much. You giving us the family.